This, this is going to be a, um, a message on obedience versus OB radiant. Okay? Obedience is for children. Now, obedience is obviously a good thing when you're a child. But obedience is also what a slave does. So how does that work? The scripture says that a child and a slave are treated the same, even though the child is master of all. Right? Even though he's master of all, he's treated as a slave. So what does that mean? It means touch this, son, don't touch that. Go here, son, don't go there. Eat this, don't eat that. Say this, don't say that. It's rules. So that the child knows how to be obedient and learns obedience. Now, let me tell you the purpose of obedience if you're a master. If you're a master over a slave, it's to control the slave. And you do it through fear. Fear of punishment, fear of lack. But if you're a parent, you give obedience and you give rules for protection and to establish trust. So that at some point, the child would transition from obeying you to trusting you. The problem in the church is that most of us have never graduated from obedience for protection to trust and relationship. We stay in obedience like a child for forever. But Jesus is not coming back to receive a child unto himself. He's coming back to receive a bride unto himself. So... What is it? So am I going to obey Christ? No, I'm not. But I just can't tell him no. Why? What does that mean? Because I'm so smitten. I am so in love. I am so overwhelmed. I am, I am so overtaken by how he loves me that there's nothing he could ask me to do that I wouldn't do. But man has twisted that and said, well, if you love God, you'll serve God this way. You'll serve God like that. And then we'll go find the scripture that backs that up. Why? So our system of control will work. Why? Because man likes order. Man likes control. I've had people say, well, Angela, God doesn't do anything out of order. Okay. I went to God and I said, God, how do I respond to that? What answer do I say when, when man tells me that you don't move out of order? Because see, Jesus did not stone the woman that they drugged to his feet. And by law and order... He should have stoned her. He should not have picked corn on the Sabbath because the law and the order says he should not. He should not have eaten the showbread, but he did. He should not have done any work which included healing on the Sabbath, but he did. He even defiled the law of gravity by walking on water. He did all sorts of things that appeared out of man's order, but it wasn't ever out of God's order because with God, all things are possible. Right? So... What is this thing, what, what, is, what is God talking about the order? So I asked God this question. What do I say when they say you don't move out of order? He said, you ask them, by what order did I, did I ordain children? Just in the question alone, I'm like, God, you are so brilliant. I mean, I already know you're, you know everything, but, but my mind is so, so limited that it can't think like that. So the question is, by what order did I or did God ordain children? So what's his order? Marriage. A family. Correct? So who then creates life during rape, 
incest, fornication, and adultery. The devil? Because according to man's definition that God don't move out of his own order, then it would have to be the devil. But you and I both know that answer is ludicrous. If someone's raped, that devil didn't create that baby. Otherwise, James Robinson would be of the devil. No, his mother was raped and his mother gave him up for adoption. Look what a mighty man of God he is. So according to man's definition that man, God don't move out of order, that don't make any sense. God stopped time in the Old Testament. That was out of order. God delivered a people for using Deborah going to battle. That was out of order because women didn't go to battle. God even sent someone to deceive people. Really? Angela, God wouldn't do that. Well, go read about Micah and the prophet. The prophet Micah didn't prophesy what the king wanted him to prophesy. He said, see, I told you that, that prophet didn't like me. Get another one. So then God says, whom shall I send to deceive them? What did he do? He told them what they wanted to hear. That still happens to us today. God will say, you know what? If you love not the truth, I will give you over to a strong delusion. Now, why would God give his own people over to a strong delusion? To wake us up. Because what will happen is once we've eaten from that strong delusion long enough, it won't satisfy. And something inside of us will begin to say, this tastes terrible. Why are we eating this? What's wrong with this? See, to obey my husband would be a, if I was a concubine wife. But if I am Rachel, if I am the one whom he loves, even if Rachel couldn't give him a child, that's what Jacob wanted. He wanted Rachel. Why? He had passion. He was in love with her. That's what Christ is looking for. He's looking for a bride that will know him in the fellowship of his suffering and in the joy of resurrection. And that, honey, is not out of obedience. I don't make love to my husband because I obey him. That would be a prostitute or a concubine. That would be a hired hand. People say, yeah, but you're going to serve God. And sometimes serve, serving God is, 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 you know, sometimes that just takes sacrifice. Let me tell you something. It is not a sacrifice for me to serve my husband. It's not a sacrifice for me to serve my children at all. Do I get tired? Yes, but I love it. So people have, uh, uh, have convinced us and persuaded us that, that these things that we must do that appear to be things of God are really things to keep everyone obedient and in line to a system, to a way that things work. Look, I sat underneath coverings and teachings, and I loved those men and women that were my leaders, and I obeyed them to the T. But I never stepped in my calling and when I did begin to step out a little bit, it was more along the lines of back in the time when you had to have a gatekeeper before you could give a prophetic word. You had all this rule and regimen begin to come in. Why? Because when a new move of God comes in, it gets out of balance. And so man's trying to balance it rather than trusting that God can balance it. God knows how to, how to balance things. The earth is made that way. God asked me not long ago, he said, Angela, when did I stop working? And I thought about that and I said, on day six, you finished it on day six and you rested on day seven. He said, when did I start back working? And I went, oh, you did it. He said, exactly. I said, God, what are you trying to say to me? What are, what are you saying? He said, Angela, I'm not working right now to do anything. 
The way that I created the earth is already perfect and it will manifest in its fullness just like a seed when it goes into the ground. It's already being fruitful and multiplying. It's just going to do it because that's the way I set it up. And guess what, Angela? You shall return to me and so shall all of my creation. Everything is from God. Everything is for God and everything is back to God. And he said, Angela, I created your body and your brain, and the way that your body works with the universe, that everything that you draw to yourself is to wake you up. And it, my, my word is not too short. It will accomplish that which I sent it out to do. So whenever I believe that I needed to be obedient for God to love me, I needed that for a season. I needed it for a while. But there came a time in my life when God asked me if I wanted to be his bride. I didn't understand. I didn't comprehend it. It was actually pretty creepy at first. Because all I could think of was husband and wife. I, I thought carnally. I was carnally minded. What does it mean to be carnal minded? To think in terms of what I can see. I used to think carnally minded meant like to be lusting after some kind of sin. And that may have some truth in it, but that's not what God was showing me. To be carnally minded was to be looking in the natural things that my eyes could see, my ears could hear, my mouth could taste, my nose could smell, my, my hands could touch. So I could touch and experience physical marriage. So for God to say he wanted to marry me, it was like, what does that look like? Oh, it's weird kind of to me. But what he was saying is I want my heart and your heart to be one heart. I want what I feel to be what you feel and what you feel to be what I feel. And it's all about the emotion. I know that there are people who think that is absolutely crazy. And if I say to that person, if what you have is working, keep it. If you're, if you're not in need of a physician, then you don't need this word. But if you are broken down, if you are wanting more, if you feel like you've been obedient to the hilt and you still are not walking in righteousness, peace, and joy, and life and life abundantly, then this message is for you. Because you know what? I found life and life abundant. And I have righteousness, peace, and joy every single day of my life. I asked my husband this yesterday. I said, baby, do you feel that you have righteousness, peace, and joy as a gift every day? He said, every day. I said, do you feel our life is abundant? He said, yes, every day. I said, me too. Even with what's going on with my, with my son, my son's a prodigal right now. And even with that going on, I, that doesn't rob me of what God has put in me. And it didn't come as a result of obedience. It came as a result of God showing me that obedience was there to protect me until it was time to mature. But once it was time to mature, then it was time to enter into real relationship. Relationship like a husband and a wife. Now, a wife is the key to that understanding. And let me explain that. Every woman knows, especially if she's ever been in a relationship with a man, married or not, Every woman knows if a man will just know our heart and cherish our emotions and care for our emotions, there is nothing that we won't do for them. Is that right? Yes. And every woman in the whole world says amen. But what happens is men don't know how to do that. Men have actually been trained to stay out of their emotions and out of their heart. So when I complained about that to God, Jesus would say, I am your husband. I'm the one that knows your heart. I'm the one that cherishes your heart. I'm like, but God, I can't see you. He said, no, you can't, but you can feel me. And if you will go into those feelings, then you will see me. Then you will taste and see that I am good. Then you will hear my voice. Then you will know all that you need to know. Helen Keller learned to hear with frequencies, with her feelings on her hand, 
her touch. And she's the one that said, true eyesight is not with your eyes, but with your heart. It must be felt with the heart. And that's what I'm talking about in intimacy. So when God began to bring me out of obedience and into OB radiant, it means to shine. What does he say in, in Song of Solomon? Arise and shine, my beloved, for your light has come. That's what he says. So I asked God one day, I said, God, how do I know if I really am walking in this? He said to me, can you see me in everything? I said, yes. He said, even in the darkest moments, can you find me? I said, absolutely. I see you. In, I can't not see you anymore. I, I see you in everything at all times. I see, I see your omnipotence. I'm aware. I'm, a, I'm fully awakened to that as much as I can imagine. And, and beyond my imagination, I can see you. And he said, how could you see all that unless your light had come? And I went, oh my goodness, my light has come. I was like freaking out because it was, it, it was made manifest that I, my light had really come. And the way that that started, and I've told this story before on, on my podcast, and so this will go on podcast, but I was walking down my hall with a bowl of, uh, not a bowl, a basket of dirty clothes. And I was about to wash them in the washer. And I heard God speak to me and he said, go and look up the joy of the Lord is my strength. I want to show you something. So immediately, think about it. You hear God, and it wasn't audible, but it was profound inside my ear from a source unknown, like the wind. You don't know where the wind comes from, but you just know it's, you, just, you just feel it. So that's what it was. I heard it inside of me. So immediately, I sat down my basket of clothes, and I was turning out of my utility room and about to go down my hall to get my Bible. I was going to be obedient. I wanted to obey God right now. Why? Because I was one of those good kids. If my mama said something, yes, ma'am. If my daddy said something, yes. And if I knew they wanted it done without the mask, and I'd go do it and come surprise them. Why? Because I wanted their love and affection. So that's how I saw that God loved me. God loved me if I did good. And if I didn't do good, then I would disappoint God. I didn't want to disappoint. So I was going to run quickly and go look up this scripture. And the Lord spoke to me again and said, you can be obedient and the father is well pleased. Or you could be pregnant. You can marry me. And I went, what? Like, how, how do those even parallel? How is there any correlation at all between being obedient and being pregnant? And then he showed me. Words and seeds are the same thing. So when God speaks a word to me, I can obey him and go and do it. Or... I could receive that word into my heart as a seed and hold on to it like a pregnant woman until the labor hits and I cannot resist and I go look up that word as a result of passion because I'm so moved that a team of wild horses could not keep me out. And I said, well, how will I know when it's time to push? He said, how did you know it was time to push when you gave birth to your son and daughter? Could anybody have stopped you from pushing? No. He said, that's how it will be. I said, so God, what you're telling me is if I don't go obey you right now, and I just hold on and know that I heard it, that in some time soon, in due season, my mind's thinking nine months because I'm carnally minded, and that's how long it took me to have a baby. But sometime in due season, like in about nine months or so, I'm, I, I'll go look this up. And he said, yes, sometime in due season, only in the, in the season that God knows. 
So it might be tomorrow. It might be three weeks. It might be a month. You don't know, but, but you will know when the time is there by the unction inside of you will move you like a river. And I said, okay, I want to be pregnant. He said, then go back to what you were doing. So I grabbed my clothes. I didn't go get my Bible. Grabbed my clothes, kept washing. Look, I was glowing now because I knew I somehow was pregnant. Didn't comprehend it, didn't understand it, but I knew that I, I, could, I wasn't going to walk in obedience. I was going to be pregnant. I was going to be married. Didn't make sense to my carnal mind, but I walked in it. Some people would even say, well, you were obedient to walk in it. No, it's not like that. It's like bread's cooking. I could have a bowl of cereal now, or I can wait like 10 minutes and have fresh bread and real butter. Okay, I'll wait. It was a desire. It was not obedience. There's a difference between desire and obedience. Do you know the word choose and desire is the same word, but we've mixed them up. We've interchanged them. So we say choose you this day, and you've got to make a choice. And if you choose to obey God, it's not like that. It's a desire. Guess what? I don't make love to my husband because I choose to. No, he melts my knees. He takes my breath away. He makes my palms sweat. How? Sometimes with a look. Sometimes a tone in his voice. Sometimes a gentle kiss. Sometimes a passionate kiss. Sometimes in the weirdest time of the day, I could be in the middle of fixing lunch and him walk behind me and whisper something to me. And let me tell you something, that food can, can ruin. I don't care. I'm turning it off. Why? Because I am smitten. I wasn't obeying him. I was passionately moved by him, by something called desire. So the same thing happened to me that day when God said, you can obey our father, you can obey, or you can be pregnant, which one you want. I wanted pregnancy. I wanted this intimacy. About three months later, I can't tell you how it happened. I can't remember because the excitement was so there that something struck me and I could, a team of wild horses could not keep me out of the scripture. I grabbed my computer, I got my thesaurus, I got my, my concordance. I had probably five or six Bibles laying around me and my computer. And boy, I was looking it up in every translation. And then I looked up every word in every, in every dictionary I could find. Why? Because I understand that there was a Tower of Babel where all language was scattered. And at one time it used to be one. So if I get a little bit of understanding from one language and a little bit from another, maybe Greek, maybe Latin, maybe Hebrew, I'm going to grab as many understandings as I can and say, Father, what are you telling me? Now that's going to come out of me like a sprout like a baby out of my womb, like a lily out of the dark ground. Why? Because I have no consciousness of my own. I can, I can rely on it, but it's a shadow. It's not the real. My understanding is a sh it's darkened. It sees in part, it knows in part. But God knows all. So by asking God, God, what, else, what is this? What he revealed to me that day was this, that all of the emotions of the Lord are my, are my, what they said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. All of the emotions of the Lord are my strength. I thought it was just joy. <clears throat> no, it's not. That, that word, if you will look that word up and you will ask the Holy Ghost to show you the full meaning of the word joy, it means the place from which joy comes. That is your strength. And this, the place through which joy comes is the same place mourning comes from. Same place weep is where, matter of fact, joy comes in the morning. How did your baby get here? Through travail, through labor, through pain. Jesus said, if you suffer with me, then you shall reign. And Jesus came to show us how to suffer 
So basically what God was saying there, said Angela, I'm about to show you how the joy of the Lord is your strength. In your weakness, God's strength is made perfect. See, he began to unveil the word to me. Why? Because in order to be a bride, the Father must unveil you. That's the first veil that comes off is the one the Father takes off of your eyes. He unveils you, kisses you on the cheek, and hands you to your groom. And then there's a second veil. The second veil is not lifted. It's torn. That's when a man and a woman consummate, and the hymen is broken. And that's a blood covenant. And the word hymen literally means to be pierced. What was Jesus called? The pierced one. The torn one. The broken one. The one who had sorrow and suffering. The man who was acquainted with grief and sorrow. The man who suffered and sorrowed after the order of Melchizedek and did not miss the mark of one of them. Hebrews. See, it's different. So, honey, you're still struggling with obedience. And God is so pleased if you want to stay there. He is not upset if you do not marry Christ. You can remain a child. 